0: food entrepreneurs podcast i'm justin bizarro i'm your host that's bi ro and you can find me on instagram facebook and tiktok at justin bizarro and you can find the podcast at justin and the food entrepreneurs on facebook and instagram as well uh today with us Danae davis from foodpreneurs institute how are you doing today Danae?
1: i'm doing very good justin and thanks for having me
0: So, Danae, tell us a little bit about your background and how you got into opening the Institute.
1: All right, I'd love to. Uh, It actually started, I relocated from Michigan to North Carolina in 2005, and when I got here, I found out they had this wonderful program called the Home Food Processing Program. It's possibly known as cottage foods all over the nation, and uh, I could sell my baked goods, at farmers markets in different locations. And that's how I really got started. I started baking and selling, and people would ask me, how are you doing this? And I am an educator by trade. I'm a teacher. I teach at the college level. And so I decided to take all my experience, everything I learned from selling my pies and cakes and cookies, and I put it on a website called HomeBasedBaking.com Lo and behold a publisher in Connecticut saw the website and said to me I would love to turn this into a book
0: Well that's incredible
1: Yes, the website became a book, it took about a year to write it was published and I started using the book as a textbook to teach cottage foods across North Carolina and uh, as they say, the rest is history. And then I, as I started to talk to people and teach, I found out there were some, some gaps of, 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 of knowledge. People were missing things. And so I created the Foodpreneur Institute so people always have a place to come for great, solid, sound information.
0: Well, and I think it's so important because so many people have great recipes, great family recipes, and they don't know what steps to take to make it a business, to become that entrepreneur, especially in the food and beverage space. So you you write the book. I mean, what's the name of the book, just so the, the audience knows?
1: The name of the book is How to Start a home-based bakery business, and it's by, I'll give you my full name, Dietro Danae Davis. And you can pick it up on Amazon. Uh, It's in bookstores, uh, or you can easily order it, and it's available as a Kindle book.
0: And so tell me a little bit about, I mean, your interest is now in food, but you said you were an educator before. Were you uh, a teacher before, and you've just always cooked or baked at home?
1: Yes, absolutely. In fact, uh, I was in the United States Navy. When I got out of the Navy, I landed a job at Hyatt Regency, no longer there. It's, the hotel is something different, in Dearborn, Michigan. And I actually got the job. I walked in and uh, the, filled out the paperwork. The chef said, what do you know how to bake? I said, I make a mean quiche. And he said, well, show me. They gave me my my apron, and I washed my hands, went in, made the quiche. He turned and looked at me and said, "You're hired."
0: Well, that's one way you think people think resumes are important, but when you're uh, in the food industry, I think that's probably one of the most important things you can do is actually cook your way in.
1: Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. And then from there, uh, I started doing uh, catering on the side through a VFW hall that had a commercial kitchen. And um, I was written up in Bon Appetit magazine. I contributed some recipes for too busy to cook, and uh, was in a couple of their their cookbooks, their end of the year cookbooks. And it, it just sort of launched. From there, Justin.
0: And I mean, I really like this. And so, you know, I want to take a step back first, because you obviously have a background in food. So what's your favorite food?
1: Oh, my goodness. Oh, my goodness. Well, um, my favorite, favorite food is, a, is actually a bread. I'm a baker, um, I guess you could say by trade, and I make the most amazing black bean and raisin, golden raisin bread, and it's packed with protein, and it's the most delicious bread I think you could ever eat. Uh, That's my favorite food.
0: Bread, I think, actually, I think a lot of people like bread, although some people like bread because it's a vehicle to deliver butter, but I think, (laughs) yeah. And peanut butter, for sure. That's my favorite part. Or actually, I love sandwiches. It's my, I think it's my favorite food. Mm-hmm, but, mm-hmm. um, so, I mean, what's your favorite? Uh, so let's talk about the catering and, and the lessons learned. Because I think a lot of people are in catering and you have the background in it. So, I mean, what mm-hmm. were some of the things that you had to learn as you got into the catering business that you that you feel that are important for people to know if they were to do something similar?
1: Oh, wow. Well, one of the first lessons I learned is that you have to have a head for business. And when you're catering, you're catering for a large group and you have to make sure that your expectations and the expectations of your customer are, you know, they jive, that they meet. And uh, I learned very quickly that was not the case when I catered an event and I, I knew how many people were going to be at the event but I did not do my due diligence, and I didn't do my homework, and uh, the customer ended up having more people than I had food for, and that was the first lesson I learned. You sell by the plate, and that's it.
0: <laughs> yeah, that, that, would, that would be a rough one. That, that would be deer in headlights right there, I think. I, I, I'm, I'm blushing for you, actually, right now.
1: Yeah, yeah. Um, but other lessons was just to make sure that sometimes we, we, we jump over a dollar to pick up a dime. Make sure that you are costing out your products and you're being paid for what you do. Because catering is hard work. Uh, you've got to surround yourself with quality people, even if they're temporary employees. You've got to know the long, how hard you can work them, how long you can work them. Those, the business end of the catering was more of a concern for me than the actual food. I knew how to cook. I knew how to bake. I could set up a beautiful buffet, but the business part, making sure I was paid for what I was doing, uh, well, that's, that's a different story.
0: So how did you learn that part of the business? Was it through trial and error and just moving forward? I mean... That's the, I think that's the toughest part for a lot of people.
1: Well, it was trial and error, but it was also surrounding myself with good people, talking to other caterers. And uh, I read a lot of books. In fact, I can even recommend um, probably one of the best catering books there are. Uh, and it's, it was actually <laughs> produced by... Um, it was actually produced by uh, the company that published my book. And it's how to start a home-based catering business. And this young lady is out of California, but the book is amazing. It's it's soup to nuts. That's all I can say.
0: Well, I think um, that that's probably a good thing for anyone to read because I think the business side is the hardest for, for people. Just because you make good food or a great beverage doesn't mean that you're going to be able to sell it or you're going to get people to buy it because there's whole level of customer service and treating your employees right and managing your finances and the accounting and the taxes and, and the regulatory compliance and so on and so forth. And then, you know, what does it look like if you have to, you know, share a kitchen and things like that. So, It's so difficult, which is why I think it's so great what you're doing because you're helping people fill that gap. And I want to dive into that a little bit more. But, I mean, so was the catering business in Detroit?
1: Yes, it was. Mm -hmm.
0: Uh, So, you, I mean, how long did you do that?
1: I did it for about seven years. Okay. Yeah. And so what
0: what made you decide to change and, and go to North Carolina?
1: Um, I was uh, an administrator for Detroit Public Schools, and I sort of, I knew that uh, Detroit was going through a transition, and I wanted a fresh start. My daughter had graduated um, from college, and so I just did my homework and decided, wow, North Carolina sounds like a pretty good uh, state to relocate to, And I went to North Carolina, and the cottage food, the home food uh, processing program was a bonus.
0: Well, and and just as a side note, I love that area. I actually did my MBA at the University of North Carolina, Chapel Hill. So they're all kind of right there, Durham, Raleigh, uh, Chapel Hill area, the Triangle, I think they call it.
1: Yes, absolutely. And they're foodie people down here. People (laughs) love food. They love to... Make everything. You can go to a farmer's market and there's nothing you can't find. You know, if you want kimchi, it's fresh. If you want white kimchi, red kimchi, whatever you're looking for. So, um, but, but I did want to say this, Justin, I, I I found just through doing all of this is that sometimes as food entrepreneurs, we shy away from learning. And when I say learning, I mean, deep learning. I, We want everyone to just just tell me what to do. Just show me what to do. And if I can really stress anything, if you're going to go into business, you're going to have to not only get in the books and watch videos and talk to people, but it's about learning. And I know people don't like to get in the books because sometimes they don't like to read. But there's a lot of things on audio books. But you've got to do this. To be successful.
0: Yeah, I agree with that, and I myself uh, I don't do very well with audiobooks I actually have to read the books and I, I actually mm-hmm. try to read at least 10 pages a day of a book that's a personal growth uh, particularly in business if I can sometimes it's just uh, personal growth, other ones, it depends on the book but I always mm-hmm. try to read those 10 pages some days I read more than 10 pages but I think you're spot on Is is learning is one of those things that Actually, it reminds me of a professor I had at a University of North Carolina, and it's sort of, you're given all this information, and you put it through your own grinder into your head and, and try to put the pieces back together that make sense for you. If I did it exactly the way he did, I probably wouldn't be as successful as he was as, a, as an entrepreneur. But mm-hmm. if I take it and I grind it up and I put it back together in the ways that make sense to me, or I pull the pieces that I can learn from then I have a better chance because I'm staying true to me. But I have to learn in order to do that. Because if people just show us, we're never going to have the same success because it's already been done and it's their way.
1: Exactly. exactly. You hit the nail right on the head. You know, And, and that's why Foodpreneur Institute is here. And, and I don't know if you've gone through uh, the website, I've even created a few courses only because I got so frustrated with some of the folks that were on the website asking questions. And, and other than the Udemy course, we don't have anything over $20. And I tell people, look, if you don't think you and your business, if you don't think you're worthy of this, then then what are you doing? Yeah. You know, you're going to pay I don't know how much to get an MBA,
0: I know, but I talk this, about that all the time.
1: Yeah, this you can do. And the thing is, and, I, and they get me, Justin.
0: <laughs> I know, that. The, well, the, I mean, that's exactly it, a person who's experienced this. And I have nothing, I think education's an important part of life, and I have done my MBA. But I will tell mm-hmm. you that in my experience as a food entrepreneur and growing family businesses in the food world, that Mm -hmm. I never learned more than going through it myself. You know, as much as my father was a mentor to me and tried to teach me his way of doing things, it wasn't until I started doing things on my own and learning on my own and making my own mistakes and taking my own risks that I really learned and became something, you know, and that's, that's hard, you know, and that's hard for people to step out of those boundaries and, and do it. And you have to have a good educational foundation and you got to use resources that are out there. You know, it's like you said, um, you could go spend $100,000 to $300,000 on an MBA, depending on the school you go to. But there's mm-hmm. plenty of resources online now that help you become an entrepreneur because th- that's where you need to do. You need to learn as much as you can. And take it and translate
1: it into your business. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Well, see, I was was brought up in a family business. My parents owned a liquor store in Michigan. I'm going to tell you how frugal my dad was. In order to buy a liquor license, it was probably about $3,000. But. For $75, you could fill out the application and get a brand-new liquor license. It might take you three years, but you year could do it. Well, of course, you know what my dad did. He <laughs> paid $75, waited three years, and got a brand-new liquor license. He said it was worth it. <laughs> he says, I'm not paying all that money for some." He said, in the meantime, I'll just learn how to operate a beer and wine business. Yeah. And then when the liquor license comes, I'll be prepared. He was absolutely right.
0: And, and I agree with that. I think in food and beverage, it's so easy that if you want to go into the food and beverage business, mm-hmm. even if you have a job, take uh, take the time to learn the business before you actually launch it. Spend some time with someone. Go even volunteer to help bake on weekends somewhere or learn from a caterer or, you know, do whatever you can. I mean, I I doubt anyone would turn down your time of learning if you wanted to help someone, you know? So it's, at least in my experience and everyone I've ever mentored, you know, that's gone somewhere and tried to learn it. The person that there is an entrepreneur also, and they're frugal. I think it comes with being an entrepreneur. But it's like if they can save some money by doing it, they're all in. And the second point is, um, usually my co-host Deborah Micus, she grew up in a family that had liquor stores as well as well as mm-hmm. laundromats and and um, beauty supply store. But it's it's interesting when you grow up in that environment how your mindset. To become an entrepreneur like you see it around you and I grew up on a farm and that my mom ran the farm and she was an entrepreneur in that way with horses and you know giving lessons and shows and breeding and things like that and then my dad was in the food world and so you just kind of pick up on things and then nothing else kind of makes sense you try to do some other things but nothing else quite makes sense which I was going to ask you and it's kind of interesting is because you learn that a lot of people that do become food entrepreneurs or entrepreneurs in general have somewhat of a a family background in it. That doesn't mean you can't learn it if you don't have a family background in it. We've had plenty of people on the podcast that have learned it, but it's just interesting the drive and the ability to take the leap quicker um, when you come from that background.
1: Absolutely, and you... You learn, well, it, it just gives you a different perspective. For example, I appreciate customers. When your bread and butter is your customer, and, and you almost have to really grow up in a business to, you know, to really take this perspective. But when your bread and butter is the customer, you look at people differently. You know, you can't be so judgmental, you know, because you don't know who's going to be purchasing your product and you really want everyone to purchase it at some point. But, you know, you kind of have a deeper appreciation for what it takes to go to market and to sell products, you know, and, 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 and you want to be successful. You want to do the best.
0: And, and I think it's the right thing to do. You know, if you're offering food and a service and it's part of the experience, I mean, it's the right thing to do to give them and treat your customers with respect and obviously love and joy and, you know, they make your life possible.
1: Absolutely. Absolutely. Oh boy, I could write a book on that. <laughs> That's, uh, that could
0: go on for years. And yeah. and but it's, it is amazing how many people don't realize who their true customers are sometimes. Um, yeah. You know, sometimes I think it's their vendors or their employees or, you know, and they put a lot of attention to them. And I know they understand the difference of the word. But what I am saying is where they actually spend their attention. And it's important to have happy employees, don't get me wrong, and happy vendors. Mm -hmm. But your customers are the first thing that makes sense. So if you're trying to make your customers happy, you're driving your employees to make them happy as well. And thus, your employees are happy. And when your employees are happy, they're also treating your vendors better, which make them happy. And it's not quite that simple. You have to build culture, but...
1: Right. Right.
0: It is something that is important.
1: Absolutely. Absolutely.
0: And and so. speaking of that and what I love what you're doing and I've seen the YouTube videos you you have and and I really love the educational pieces and I mean it couldn't be cheaper in my opinion. I was actually blown away. I'm like that's a lot of knowledge out there. And <laughs> one of the things is is that you never know. Sometimes you read a whole book But you get that one tidbit that that seed it was only on one page, but it's worth reading that book. And it's the same with the education. You don't know what that one tidbits going to be or what it may be one of of every three lessons, but there may be Mm -hmm. something in there that you grab that changes the way you do things. And I think that's important as well.
1: Absolutely. Absolutely. I know when I started selling, um, as I mentioned, I sold baked goods, but my primary baked good was pies. And I quickly learned that pies are seasonal. And so when I came across other people who were selling pies and they would complain that they weren't, you know, I'm not selling enough, I'm not getting the customers. I said, you know what, we need to sit down and we need to talk about this because you need to understand that pies are seasonal. Uh, Believe it or not, cookies are seasonal. And there's, you can purchase reports, studies have been done by companies that make billions. And so you don't reinvent the wheel. You just kind of follow their lead, you know, with your individual recipe. So um, it's, it's, Justin, it's deep, you know, but again, I I have to go back to education. You know, you want to jump out there because the easy fun part is getting your product to market and having people feed your ego. But in order to get your wallet fed, you've got to learn.
0: No, no, And I agree with that. And recently I've just worked on a project in Georgia and it's literally been five years of hustle, like just headaches and painstaking things before we ever actually started our demolition to build the facility that we're building there. And that's what it is to be an entrepreneur. It's five to seven years of hardship. I mean, at a minimum, I feel before you really get that, okay, I'm actually doing well. And I'm fortunate (laughs) enough where I the businesses have done well before, but it doesn't stop just because you made it. It's still grind. It's still grinding. It's still hustling. It's still trying to innovate. And, and that's the kind of person it takes really is that I hate to say, but it's nothing's ever good enough. And that's the wrong phrase, but it means I'm constantly learning. It means I'm constantly trying to better my business. It means I'm constantly trying to make the employees better, not only for my business, but for themselves. And so on and so forth. Because if you don't, you know, when you try to make the next step in building, you don't have any foundation to build off of.
1: Yeah, for sure. For sure.
0: And so, so, go on.
1: No, I was just going to say, you're absolutely right. And I think sometimes, particularly new entrepreneurs, they don't realize the amount of work, effort, time and thinking that has to go into their business it's not snap your finger and it's going to happen you know you you just said you know it takes years and i think sometimes we've gotten in that sort of we're going down that path where we have we expect things quick fast and in a hurry and the food business is not like that it's quick fast people love what you do but you know what? Food is fickle. <laughs> and they like it today and they don't like it tomorrow. And so there's a lot of work and and thought that goes into what you're doing. And I, sometimes I think folks kind of miss that, you know? Well, and food
0: is not a very innovative business. I think probably the most innovative thing that's happened in food recently is probably... Um, plant-based proteins and what they're doing with that, you know, and, yeah. and that's argumentative. And then, I mean, you're seeing a lot more aquaponics and hydroponics and the reusing mm-hmm. of water. I'd say that's pretty in- innovative, but overall, those aren't changing food. It's just improving the way we produce it. And, uh, you know, so in, I mean, I want to emphasize this. I mean, this is as simple as you go into a restaurant And you still have restaurants and places that are still having the old cash registers. I mean, just from a technology standpoint, food doesn't move as fast as everything else. And that's the same with the food businesses. They just don't have the ability to grow as fast. Not because you can't get it out there through social media or whatever, but because you literally have to get people to taste your product.
1: Exactly. Exactly. You know, and and, you know, if you're afraid or if you're shy, you might as well forget it. You've got to be a social butterfly and you have to believe in what you do. You have to believe in your product.
0: You know, no, no and I agree with that. Uh, um, Deborah and I actually talk about this a lot, which is the being an entrepreneur actually means the first thing you are as a salesperson. Right, and by salesperson I mean like total relationship management you know it's not you're actually selling anything you're building relationships on a regular basis because it's the most important thing and and at the beginning you're starting off with one person and if you treat that one person right they may tell a friend and now you've got two people and you know maybe the first person tells another friend and the second person that's now met you tells a friend and now you have four people but it literally moves that slow and yeah. and yeah. the social media helps you get it out there but again you got to have people try your product and you got to have a lot of face-to-face interaction and in food and for people to to believe in the product and that's just the way it is. If you're building a business, now everyone's going to be like, in the grocery store, you have all these items, and I go in and I buy a chip of chips ahoy, and I don't even have a relationship with it, you know. But they don't realize that they've built an emotional relationship with it over years and memories of buying those cookies because they were in the grocery store or they grew up with it as kids, or at some point they tried the cookie, you know. So it's the same idea, it's just there's not the volume. You haven't built the relationship, the emotional attachment to your product. So you've got to create that as the entrepreneur.
1: Right, right. And and it's not easy. And uh, for those who are not patient, you know, it can be a tad bit painful. But it's worth it. It yeah. really is.
0: Yeah. And, I mean, again, I love your comment about jumping over a dollar to, to pick up a dime. Because I see it so much in the food yeah. entrepreneurs we work with, in that they're they're at the beginning they're always discounting their price to try to get people <laughs> to buy their product, but then no one ever gets used to paying full price. You know, there's always discounts and. You know, sales and buy two, get one free. And, well, you're not, I get it, you're getting people to buy it, but now you've gotten everyone used to paying a discount. And they're just going to wait around until you discount it again. They're not going to ever buy it at full price. You've already trained your customers. So at the very beginning, you know, you're training your customer to get used to whatever price you're going to have, whatever service. So it's got to start at day one. And patience, you know, like you said.
1: Yeah. Yeah, I agree with you completely because I can't tell you, you know, I I know ladies who do amazing wedding cakes uh, for Duke Gardens here in North Carolina, and I'm like, this cake cannot be sold for four hundred dollars. I'm sorry, I just I cannot allow you to do that. And then they'll say, well, no one will buy it. I said, yeah, they will. They will see the value in it. But see, if you don't see the value in your work in your product no one else will see it yep. because there'll be that doubt that hesitation so i don't
0: know i agree with that 100 percent. so i mean we got down a rabbit hole but I, I really enjoyed that because i think we chased it um from you know catering to where you are now mm-hmm. and and what you're doing with the institute and you're getting ready to launch your own podcast. Is that correct?
1: That's correct. So, I, um, go ahead. No, go, no. I was just going to say I, I started um, uh, with stories of impact, which is nothing more than me going around the nation talking to people who are food entrepreneurs. But uh, I'm uh, actually launching this with my webmaster, uh, the person that does my website. And we are going to talk about the business in social media and connecting to the customer. Because I don't think there's quite enough out there. And, and and I'm looking at it purely from an educator's perspective so that I can put it in plain language. This is what you need to consider. I'm not telling you what you need to do, but I am going to give you some food for thought, no pun intended.
0: <laughs> I I love that. And I mean, so you've now gone, built this Institute and you're deciding to do a podcast. So this to me is an example of the growth you've had over your career to constantly learn and then improve. And then also not only that, learn new technologies, use mm-hmm. social media, now use podcasting as a way to get the message out there to people In an easier way. I mean, you're mentoring basically through a podcast versus one-on-one, which makes it available to so many more people at one time.
1: Absolutely. And that's my whole goal. I've got to, people need to know that they're not alone. Okay, Um, uh, this is not rocket science. I'm sorry. It's not. You can do it. You can be successful. But there is a certain degree of of knowledge and and work, that four letter word that people hate. Yes, you're going to have to work, uh, be patient and uh, and and toss your ego to the side (laughs) because it is not about you. You know, and oftentimes a lot of entrepreneurs, period, food or otherwise, think, "Oh, wow, you know, I, I, I." Uh, if you focus on the "I," you're focusing on the wrong thing. So, um,
0: yeah, sorry, I, no, something? I wanna, I wanna, I wanna cut in there because, and, and I'm sorry, but I think what you said is so important because I think every some people get into being entrepreneurs thinking they're their own boss. You know? Yes. Yes. And it is not at all what it is. You are not the boss. You are you know, your employees, your customers, your vendors, your you name it, um, the community, whatever it is, is is who you work for. And right. and let's be honest, the hierarchy that you form in a business, you may be at the top, but it's really upside down. And it's, there's really no I in the scenario, you know, you've got to work because now people are relying on you for food on their table and roof over their head and everything like that. I can't, you know, how many people come to me and tell me how they built the business on their own. And I'm like, well, you have 50 employees, so you can't tell me that you built it on your own. That's just not possible. You may have constructed something and driven a culture, but you have to be aware of all the people that are involved.
1: Absolutely. Absolutely. I tell you, I had a revelation. I think I was catering. um, There's a big hall uh, in Detroit called Cobo Hall. And I had a catering job um, for Meals on Wheels. And it was their celebration and they were giving out awards. And I had people working and, you know, setting up the buffet and it hit me. I said, wow. And I thought it was all about me. And what was interesting was that everybody that helped me knew it wasn't. <laughs> it's like I was the last one to, to have the revelation. <laughs> and I felt, I felt so bad. I'm like, why didn't you guys tell me? Just tell me. You know, but everything came to fruition because of them, not because of me. Yeah. You know, but, uh, you know, and eventually, you know, you learn. You live and learn.
0: You know, it's, uh, I can't remember, it's uh, a saying, um, gosh, what is it? It's like when you're, it's something about leadership and it's like when you're ready to lead is when you've, you're able to be led and yes. because that's what really happens. You may be driving something, but they've got to pull you because <laughs> right. without everyone else doing everything, it doesn't matter.
1: Exactly. And you, you are, yeah. Yeah.
0: And I think that revelation, I mean, it's an interesting thing. And I think entrepreneurism has been so glorified, you know, over the last two decades that people are like, oh, an entrepreneur and this is glorious thing. But they don't see all the learning and all the lessons and that how many years, the 10,000 hours, whatever you want to call it, to get to that point. You know, it's just like you, how many times, you know, you were in Detroit and you your an administrator for the Detroit public schools and you're running this side hustle, but you're learning constantly to get to your next step to catering. And, you know, you're learning constantly before you got to North Carolina and then you're learning there. And it's just, you know, I don't know for lack of a better term, a snowball effect or a ball of yarn, you know, it gets bigger as you spend more time rolling it and you've got to I mean. be in motion constantly.
1: Exactly. Exactly. And you learn about people. And that's why I say if you're not a social butterfly, you need to put yourself in an environment where you are front and center and you have to engage because this is you're going to have to learn. You have to learn how to communicate with people. You have to learn. As I said, don't be judgmental. If someone, you know, turns up their nose at your product, don't get an attitude. They don't have to like it. But you know there there are hundreds, thousands of people out there, and there are going to be other people who will love what you do. You know,
0: that's so true. Um, I mean, what do you love about it the most? I mean, you've obviously you love what you're doing. So, I mean, tell us about that. Tell us about what you love about what you do the most.
1: Wow, Um, I love and live for light bulb moments when I am either on the phone or I have a a Skype or I have a class and someone has a light bulb moment and says, oh, my goodness, I get it. That is priceless. It can take me to the grave because they have then been transformed and changed forever. And you see it and they admit it and so you know it's it's I, I don't know what to say um it's um it's just that's what i live for you know and i guess everything that i have done especially what i've done in education cuz i've been in education now for almost 40 years it has gotten me this to this point where i just tell folks you have to Just listen. If you just listen, don't be judgmental. Don't don't have your own preconceived ideas. Just listen and see what you can take away from what is being said, either by me or the guests that I bring into the class. And all too often, Justin, people go, wow, I just didn't know. And I said, right. And it's not bad not knowing. Don't beat yourself up. That's okay, but don't continue to live your life not knowing. Be the kind of person who wants to be a lifelong learner and who is going to, you know, every once in a while stick their hand in the fire.
0: That's true, and, you know, sometimes you have to get burned to learn your lesson. So, well,
1: yeah, for sure, for sure.
0: And, I mean, I want to go back and talk about a little bit. You grew up in a family... Um, that was entrepreneurial, mm-hmm. and you know what were the most valuable lessons you learned from that you talked a little bit about customer service and and mm-hmm. and the customer, but what were the things that you took from that experience as as a child to what you're doing now what wow. How did that foundation help you, and where were some of the things that you learned?
1: Oh, probably one of the biggest things that I learned from both my parents was discipline. Uh, a business does not stop for you. It does not care that you get sick. It really could care less, you know, that you have a catastrophe or you can't pay a bill. It just, Your business is is your business. I'm not even going to say it's a child. It is simply an appendage. <laughs> <Yeah>. Because, <laughs> because uh, if something were to happen to it, you would definitely feel it. <clears throat> So, you know, uh, I think that's what I took away. Also, the fact that besides being disciplined and uh, being committed, you have to be kind. And I think I learned that from both my mother and my father. They were very kind people. They were appreciative. There was a lot of gratitude uh, shown to the customers, to our vendors, to just to, to salespeople, to everyone. Uh, I, I remember uh, one time uh, there was a gentleman that came into the store, and we had a what you would call like a community post office in the liquor store, so you could mail off packages. And there was a man, an older black man, that came into the store, and he could not write. And uh, my mother would always fill out his money orders and everything. And I remember one time, excuse me, my sister said, well, we don't do that. And I saw my father rush over and say, look at the man. And he said, Mr. So-and-so, I'm so sorry. My daughter didn't know. Uh, She'll fill it out for you. It won't be a problem. And he looked at her and winked and she went on and she filled it out. But it was that sort of thing. You see what I'm saying? You have yeah. to go, but you have to have that just in you.
0: Yeah, I agree.
1: You know, um, I, I, I want to tell food entrepreneurs all the time that you'll get so much more if you are willing to be vulnerable and to open up and just be kind. And, you know, well, that's what I, that's what I took away. That's another biggie. A lot of other things, but
0: that's one biggie. That is, I mean, that's a huge one because I think so many people don't realize that you have to do the right thing. In—in, um, you have to want what's best for your customers, for your clients, for your vendors, for your employees. You actually have to want them to grow as human beings and you have to, better their lives in some way and yes it's food and i agree right but Mm -hmm. you'd be amazed the impact that it it, it's not necessary you could get a loyal customer who tells 25 people by just going out of your way when they need something else you know Mm -hmm. and it's like you said it's the money order and that's a great example and he couldn't you know read or write so Why not go out of what that way for the person? He probably told everyone about it, that that's what Mm -hmm. happened. And people were like, oh my gosh, they're a good group of people. And guess what? Kindness and goodness and doing the right thing goes a lot farther in your business than the taste of your food. It is important to have good tasting food. Don't get me wrong. But when you do the right thing by that customer, that word of mouth along with your good product goes a long way.
1: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Absolutely, absolutely. So, um, <clears throat> excuse me. Uh, I'm trying to think. I think that's probably wow. You know, uh, and and I want to say this, yeah. And and as a business owner, whether you're a food entrepreneur, it doesn't matter what you are. And, and I think you touched on it. Is just to know it's okay to go above and beyond. And and you know what? Don't expect anything back. Yeah. It's all right if you don't if you don't get a thank you, that's okay. Yeah. You know, I I think that you know we we kinda like I said, we get caught up with that ego boy. <laughs> yeah. so between that whew, uh-huh. but you have to let it go and just say, you know, I did the right thing today. And Okay, let's get ready for
0: tomorrow. Well, and I agree with you. I think you know you got to let the ego go and not everyone's gonna like your product just like everyone's not gonna like <laughs> your opinion. It's the same as your food. Right. Like sometimes people just don't have the flavor profile mm-hmm. to to enjoy that type of food or you know it it's not necessarily something wrong with you. it's their preference. And all you can do is do the best that you can and be true to yourself. And you know, I think it's great. And I'm well. You know, is there something? How? How, in your opinion, could I improve my product? And maybe there's a secondary product based off of that first product that you can launch to help people with that taste bud. But it's that yeah. open mind and that vulnerability, you know, that you <laughs> said to be like, okay, I'm not perfect. And my ego needs to get out of my way. And I need to be as open as possible and as vulnerable as possible in order to grow. Because I don't know. I know zero. You know, that's something I always tell myself. Every day I have to remind myself I know nothing in the grand scheme of things. So, you know, I'm constantly learning. But if I ever think I know more than I really do, my ego starts building. And I'm not in the proper place to be an entrepreneur.
1: Yeah, for sure. For sure, absolutely, wow, amazing, yeah. So you know, we just we just work with the folks we work with, and uh, try to do our best by them, and you know, uh, it, it all comes together, you know. And I tell, I said one day I'd like to have a big food entrepreneur, uh, I don't know, conference or not like the specialty food conference, but a conference that celebrates the
0: people uh,
1: and not so much the product because uh it, it, it's a t- it's a tough job you know
0: it is and i and the more food entrepreneurs are connected with each other yes. and have someone that is going through the same struggles or has been through the struggles you know the more they mm-hmm. can relate I think the faster you're able to get through things and the faster you're able to grow from them because you feel that you're not alone. And that's the real thing is no one's really alone. People have done it before, especially in food, probably for thousands of years.
1: Yes, for sure, for sure, absolutely, absolutely.
0: And so, Danae, as we start to wrap up, first I want to give you a little bit of time to just – say anything that you want to say um, before we wrap up as well as let everyone know where they can find you online, uh, what your podcast is going to be called and where they can find you on social media.
1: Oh, well uh, they can find me. Well, first the podcast um, at this point is stories of impact, but uh, we will probably change the name. So if you're looking for it, Look for Stories of Impact. And, of course, on my website, if we do change the name, we will put that on the website. Uh, You can find me at foodpreneurinstitute.com. And it's simply foodpreneurinstitute.com. That's it. Uh, All of my information is out there. I'm on Facebook. I'm on Twitter. I'm on Instagram. Um, Where else am I? Hmm. I think most social media, I have a big following on Facebook and you can jump on Facebook and ask me anything seriously and I will answer you. Yes, it will be me. It will not be a bot. (laughs) It's actually me. And uh, I, I guess my parting words would be no matter what, don't give up. You know, um, when I say don't give up, I'm not saying don't change what you're doing because you may have to do that. Because sometimes we, we select something, even a product or the way we're marketing a product, and it's not quite a good fit. And that's okay. But don't give up on yourself and on your dreams and on your passion. Uh, everything changes. And it's all right to be wrong. And it's all right to fail. We all do it. Just land on your back because if you can look up, you can get up. And so I think that's it.
0: Well, and I I really appreciate you taking the time to be on the podcast for sure. I think this was awesome.
1: Oh, thank you, Justin. I appreciate being on anytime. And uh, don't be a stranger,
0: please. Um, No, and I won't. And I think once you launch your podcast, we should do another episode to to, we can go over some other things, but also to help tie in my uh, followers and listeners into your podcast as well. Because, you know, the point of doing my podcast is to help educate people and entrepreneurs to learn from other entrepreneurs. And if they can do that through your podcast, I want them to have access to that as well. So that's definitely something I'm interested in
1: absolutely and i will pass that information on to you and in early 2020 let's maybe in the first few months let's look at doing something
0: awesome all right thank you guys thank you everyone for listening in i appreciate it everyone enjoy their week have a happy holidays i this will probably be the last podcast before the holidays um i think so and so everyone have a merry christmas and a happy new year be safe out there And good luck to everyone. Thank you everyone for listening in.